0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Really excited about the deliverance ministry uh, series that we have on Wednesday nights. Uh, and this is a little bit of a plug, but it's just so crucial, it's so important. If you want to understand not just who you are in, in the design that the Lord has created us within, who we are in, a, as creation and who He is as Creator, understanding that, but then also understanding the enemy comes to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. That's what he does. Scott Lipes taught us that. Uh, a lot of you don't know who Scott Lipes is. He, he lives in Missouri now. Um, But he taught us that, and it is one of the most profound teachings that I've ever heard in my life, is that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. And the enemy is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not God. He's not the same as God. He's not comparable to God. He is not an authority in any way, shape, form, or fashion that can even challenge God. A simple exhale like you would blow a a speck of dust off off of a book is all it would take to destroy the demonic kingdom. Amen? OK, so that's all Amen. Woo, Did y'all not believe that? Did we need to talk about that? We can sit there for a second, okay? Um, but what, what we know that this, what this enemy does um, is that he will come, and, and the, the most important thing and we talked about this last week this is a book, and we're going to talk about it again here in a second, but this is not a book of instruction. this is a book of identity. From cover to cover, this book is meant to explain to you who you are and who He is and how you fit within this. The significance of our role as human beings. I love it in the New Testament in Corinthians. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple for the presence of God? It's profound. This is, this is identity statements throughout this entire book. Uh, and once you know who you are, you know what you're supposed to do, right? It comes with the title. If you're an electrician, what do you think your job is going to consist of? Things that include electricity, right? When you know the name, you know the job. Okay, And the Lord the Lord desires to tell us the name, but what the enemy desires to do is he desires to plant fear, doubt, and division so that you are never an active participant within the body of Christ, never an effective member. This is what he does. In deliverance ministry, it's the conversation that we have of how to navigate through per- someone's story with the Holy Spirit and his leading to arrive at this understanding of what they've believed about themselves that is not true, that is not of God, and then navigating them to who God has called them to be. That's deliverance ministry in a nutshell. It's profound and every Christian needs to understand it. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for people that, that, that get paid uh, to do stuff at a church. This is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? That would be like me saying there's no need for you to ever read the Bible. I'll read it for you. It's not how that works. right? It's not how that... Excuse me. That's not how that works. Um, so come be a part of that. Listen to it online. If you can't be there, it's, it's a profound and wonderful ministry. I'm really, really excited about it. And then the last thing before we get going, um, we have such a unique opportunity. I'm really grateful for Coach Rogers and, and kind of bringing life. Not kind of. He's brought life back to FCA. FCA was just this sad kind of decrepit thing. For a really long time, didn't have a lot of participation. It wasn't really a priority. Uh, With this this AD, it is a priority. And we've got 80 to 90 kids every time they meet. That's profound. And we have this unique opportunity to bless this meeting of kids. We get to be there. We get to serve them. We get to be the hands and feet. We get to love on them. We get to display uh, who the Lord is, right? God making his appeal through us. We get to do that this Thursday. So it's a really unique, wonderful opportunity. But also another opportunity, the reason I signed us up for this date is uh, Colt McDaniel is speaking. He's sharing some of his testimony. He, this is one of our homegrown kiddos. And so we, I, I don't wanna miss that. I was, gonna, I was gonna be there anyway, so I might as well bring food, right? Um, and so that's what we're doing. So come be a part of that. It's a, it's a really awesome opportunity uh, to see this. You know, I've, I've been thinking about this Thought, I've thought about this for the last several weeks. It's just been on my mind and just something the Lord has been working on in me. And I said this a couple weeks ago, but it's really easy for us as dads to have work to do. And if we have sons, we, we want our sons to know how to work. But there are some times where it's easier for us to get, convince ourselves to leave our kids at home so that we can just get the work done faster, right? It's, it's a really easy conversation to have. Uh, now, you know, I'll bring them next time. I'll bring them next time. I'm just going to knock this out today and I'll bring them next time. And I had one of those moments uh, there in December. And um, I was just thinking about that. And then I was thinking about this common thing that I hear in conversations all the time. Kids these days don't know how to work. They just don't know how to work. And I don't disagree with that. But what I was convicted of is the fact that they don't know how to work because no one shows them how to work. No one's put it on display. How can I expect my sons to have a work ethic if they never see the work ethic I want them to have? They're not going to learn it on the couch. They're not going to learn it inside. They're not going to learn it in a comfortable place. They've got, I can make an environment of work comfortable and safe for them, but they've got to be put into the fire a little bit. Work is difficult. Work is hard. Uh, we talk about this all the time, but we don't think about it. Iron sharpens iron, and that is not a gentle process. Iron sharpening iron is not, it's not like, oh, sweet iron, let's just get you sharper and we just gently caress the iron until it feels like being sharp. No, this is a pounding, heavy, extreme, intense experience. We have got to expose our kids to this stuff. And so back to FCA, if we want kids to know who the Spirit of the Lord is, who God has called them to be, and operate in the fullness of who God has called them to be, and for God to have a foothold in their lives now instead of later when their life is a mess and they're at rock bottom, but to capture their hearts now, what do they need to see? They need to see a people whose hearts have been captured by the presence of God. That's what they need to see. And so we have this beautiful opportunity to put on display that which we hope to see in the next generation. Amen? Amen. And what a gift that we live in a small town where it is okay for a church to come into a school event and minister to these kids, to love on these kids. It's a profound blessing that I pray we never take for granted because this does not happen. This did not happen where I grew up. Church and state, hard line. You You did not mingle. Even FCA things. Church was not welcomed into those places, okay? We've been invited. We've not, we've not asked to come in. We've been invited in, right? That's a profound gift, amen? Amen. So come be a part of all these things. I'm really excited. Uh, okay, let's, let's get going. What we talked about last week, when we encounter Jesus, faith grows and relationship deepens, And we find ourselves in His will and living obedient to His word while also being transformed into who we are meant to be. If I am exposed to all that I am made for, I am going to be transformed into all that I'm made for. You hear what I'm saying? If I'm exposed to the goodness of God and I pursue the goodness of God, there are going to be things in my life that are going to begin to make sense, understanding that I'm going to gain. Uh, And church, we know this, that we have been made for Him, and if we are made for Him, we are made to be in His will and to experience the freedom that is found in the will of God. And this is a profound and amazing freedom. But you can only encounter that freedom. You can only encounter the freedom of God, the freedom within His will, if you see yourself correctly and not viewing yourself as a slave and God as the master. We have a hard time with freedom as Christians because we are so afraid that we're going to get it wrong or mess up. Where does that mentality come from? That is not a free mentality. That is not a son or a daughter mentality. That is a slave mentality because I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make him mad. Or I'm, there's, and there is a group. There's a group of people that are fire and brimstone gods, right? Like if you step out of line, here comes the heavy judgment and punishment upon you like that. Right? I've told you this before, but I've, I've had conversations with people, and their kids are sick, and they've been told by clergy people, by pastors, by ministers, that this is probably a result of unrepentant sin. That their kid has got a terminal illness because of they stole a candy bar in the third grade and they didn't repent. It's unrepentant sin, and this is why this is, why this is happening. There are people that actually believe in that. And I'm not blaming those people. I'm not trying to criticize those people. That just breaks my heart for them that that's the God that they believe in. And then there are others that just don't believe that there's anything to be done unless the Lord has come to you and sat you down and wrote it out and spoken to you directly. And then you can do it. But until then, do not move. Keep your feet firmly planted because the Lord will show up and do it. And that's... That's not freedom either. That's not freedom either. That's slave mentality. We have freedom within the will of God, but I will never experience that freedom if I do not view myself correctly, and that is to see myself as a son of God, an heir to the throne, a co-heir with Christ. Seeing yourself as you truly are, a son, a daughter, and the creator of the universe is your father. You are royalty. This book This book, from cover to cover, it speaks of this truth and reality. It is about identity, and we need to read it as such. If we read this book, if we read this and just stop before we start and just preface our frame of mind that this is a book about who I am. This is going to tell me who I am and who the Lord is and how I fit into this. If I read it from that perspective, the Scripture comes alive and you will understand so much more about who you are and who the Lord is and then the actions will come after. Let these words minister to you and tell you who you are. Amen? Amen. And today I want to continue answering this question. We've, uh, all, this, all the sermons that we've had in, in the new year are answering this question. Who is Sundown Church and what do we believe? Answering these two questions. Who is Sundown Church and what do we believe? I recognized uh, it through conversations with people like Jay and my wife and, and Randy and, and Shorty and Danny. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. Steve's, like, having a heart attack back there. I was moving too much. Okay. This is the worst. Like, I either can't speak or technology doesn't work around me, right? Like, that's the trend of Sundays. What were we talking about? Jesus? Okay. Um, I ri- rattled. All right. Notes. Back to the notes. Back to the notes. Who is Sundown Church and what do we believe? Recognizing, again, through conversations that there is a need for us periodically to go back to where we started. And not not where we started geologically or uh, anything like that, but understanding what the Lord did and has revealed to us that we have built upon all these years. Understanding the foundations on which this house has been built. Understanding the revelation and the truth and making sure that it has not been forgotten. Uh, something that I've started to do here in the last couple years I keep notes on my phone of words from the Lord, promises from the Lord, just different revelation, different truth, not just for myself, but for uh, members of my family, friends, different things like that. And when I have some downtime, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm flying or if I'm on a long car ride uh, and I'm not driving, obviously, or if I've, I've got to wait for an appointment or something like that, I'll scroll through and I'll read these things. Because I don't ever want to forget what the Lord has said He's going to do. And I don't want you to forget what the Lord has said He's going to do for you. Just like I hope you don't want me to forget what the Lord has said He's going to do for me. I want to keep this at the forefront of our mind. And so with that, we are, we are coming back to this understanding, coming back to the, the foundational truths that the Lord has revealed to this house. And what we're talking about today, something that we believe in uh, profoundly, I will die for this truth. We believe in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In Sundown Church, we believe in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe that He indwells, He empowers, He surrounds, He upholds, He instructs, He imparts, and He leads. And now, unfortunately, when one starts talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, labels start to get assigned. Um, I know that very well, Uh, uh, not, not by the world, unfortunately. It's not ever. It's really not by the world that they label us. It's by fellow Christians. That if you start talking about the Holy Spirit, there's thoughts in the back of their minds about who you are. I remember being in high school, and the reason I left the church for, for several years is because of the criticism that someone received on my, uh, on my behalf because he was teaching me and my friend Chris that the Lord could speak to us. And that I could hear his voice. And I remember thinking like, whoa. And so we started doing this and I started experiencing this. And this person was was heavily criticized, looked down upon, and he wasn't doing anything but letting me know that I could have a deeper relationship with the Lord and that he would speak. And I, I could speak and he'd listen, but then I could also be silent and listen and he'll speak to me. And it was a profound thing, but... So I, I've understood this, this label. Again, it's not by the world, it's by fellow believers, but unfortunately it's just because there's a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, there are many who won't set foot in here, in this church specifically, because of our belief, preaching, and teaching of the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. I'm not offended by that in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but there are several, and I've had those conversations where they've told me to my face, no, I'll never go to church there because you guys are on that spirit stuff and... Now you, you, I'm here right now. I'm talking to you about the Holy Spirit. There's no snakes up here. I'm not waving them around. I'm not screaming into a microphone. I'm not like jumping up and down and sweating my face off and, and getting bit and throwing snakes out there to you and, and yelling gibberish, okay? I'm a normal person that you've known throughout uh, many years, many days, and I've not, been, I've not done anything that crazy yet. I've done... Foolish things, but not anything like that crazy, no witchcraft or anything like that. Um, So the Holy Spirit is not a lot of what those uh, things get assigned to him. Uh, But again, uh, again, there's just a lot of people that they've they formed an opinion about what that means, and unfortunately, because of that opinion, they're missing out on the fullness of who God has called them to be and what He has in store for them. And now today. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the understanding of the Holy Spirit, but this is going to—we're going to set up some groundwork, and then we're coming at it from a different perspective. I listen to Bill Johnson a lot. Um, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm the head pastor of Sundown Church. So with that, I don't have a ton of options for those that can pour into me. I have a few men in this house that pour into me on a regular basis. That they take that upon themselves. I've met an amazing group of pastors. In, in Lubbock, Texas, that we get to meet once a month and just fellowship and and spend time with the Lord together and pursue the Lord together, and that's been amazing. But a lot of the times, the mentorship is is dependent on the Spirit of God and and Him discipling me. It, it, Jesus says He's the only teacher you'll ever need, and that is so true. And but with that, He will prompt me at certain times when I need to listen to a, a sermon, and so I listened to a Bethel sermon. Uh, Uh, By Bill Johnson, and he he talked about this perspective of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He just told, he just shared the truth from a different angle, and it was profound. And it had such a a gripping truth to it, aspect to it that just grabbed a hold of my heart. And so I'm going to share some of that with you. This is uh, so some of this stuff, and I'll I'll tell you when some of this stuff is taken from that sermon. But it's just profound, and I'm really excited for for the perspective that it will give us. And the understanding that it it will allow us to have. But everything today is rooted in Scripture. And let's not forget that uh, they are called the Trinity for a reason. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to dismiss one is to dismiss them all. That's That's a profound truth that we need to understand. To dismiss one aspect of the Holy Spirit is to reject all of them. You can't, you cannot, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're not a buffet line where you can pick and choose what looks appealing to you. That's not it. If you, so this is a, this is a, an important truth to understand. Um, If you disagree, that's fine. Come talk to me afterwards. I've got a big old book full of evidence on what I'm saying, but to dismiss one is to dismiss them all. Okay, we need to understand that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. This is where we'll start this morning. And we've got a lot of scripture. It'll all be on the screen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2. And we'll start in verse 6. Yet among the mature we impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, when no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? Stating very clearly that the Spirit of God is who allows us to understand the things of God which we are made for. You cannot understand the heart of God without the Spirit of God. Just like no one can understand you if they do not understand the Spirit that is in you. You can't know me fully because you cannot know my Spirit. Only God can know me fully and interact with that and understand that. We've talked about that fully known and fully loved. We cannot know the things of God without the Holy Spirit interpreting these things and speaking these things to us, okay? And He does it in different ways because the way way I learn, the way I communicate is different from the way you learn, the way you communicate, and that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. He interprets it in a way that makes sense to you that you can grab a hold of and receive and then adopt and then step into the fullness of that truth. But again, the main point The Spirit of God is who allows us to understand the things of God and the heart of God. And let us also not forget where Jesus began his ministry, when he began his ministry. Uh, In Matthew 3, and I'll just read this, it'll be on the screen really quick. Matthew 3, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? After he received the Holy Spirit, he begins ministry. And what's also important, the truth of who Jesus was was declared after he received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and then what did Jesus, or what did the Lord publicly declare in that moment? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Right there in that moment, he adopted him and said and declared to everybody that he belongs to me. Now this was custom to the time. When you saw a specific trait, when a father saw a specific trait in his son, he would take him to the town square, he would remove his uh, childhood toy, he would place a ring with with the seal of the father upon his finger and a robe over his shoulders and he would publicly adopt him in the square. And do you know what that one trait was? It was obedience. And when he stepped into obedience, he received the Holy Spirit and the Lord declared who he was. From that moment on, he was known as the Son of God, the Christ. And we'll go into that uh, understanding a little bit deeper here in a few moments. But go ahead and turn with me to Acts 2. Uh, That's where we'll be next. So Jesus has risen. He has appeared and he has departed. And he is saying that he will send the helper. And that kind of sets up where we're at in Acts 2. And we're going to look at this a little bit deeper here in a few moments. But we're going to start just reading this in Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now if you'll jump down with me to verse 37. Now when they heard this, this is Peter, just just to explain what just happened. This is Peter uh, before the between four and and thirty seven Peter preaches one of the most profound messages ever preached and it 's the first time that a man is speaking not of his own accord he 's speaking what the spirit is giving him utterance to speak in that moment this is prof this is a huge and profound moment because this fisherman and this is one of the things that they say about Peter throughout acts. Is this fisherman, they're looking at him like, how is this uneducated man schooling us about things of, of God? They, they literally, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm sure they didn't speak it in that, those terms, but that's what, that's what they were saying. How is this fisherman educating us? It just didn't seem possible. And it's not because Peter all of a sudden got really smart. He had the Holy Spirit that was moving and speaking and using him as a vessel to declare the truth and the things of God. Now verse 37, Peter has just done this. He's spoken the first sermon uh, after Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. In Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and the church exists. The church is born in that moment because of the release of the Holy Spirit and because of one man operating in Him. I just want you to see the impact that you are anointed to have on this world if you say yes and step into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Peter said yes in a moment, stepped into the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the world was never the same. It's profound. He was the first of us to stand before a group after Jesus. After Jesus, he was the first, not born, not a son of God, but adopted into this family, born, uh, brought into it, not born into it, but brought into it and preaching a sermon that the Lord had given him the words to say and he didn't find the words within himself. He was the first one that pioneered what our, what my position is to look like today, listening and speaking in accordance with what the Holy Spirit reveals to me, not speaking of Parker's own accord. The messages would not be very good. Uh, They wouldn't be very long if Parker spoke of his own accord. Okay, we would not learn a whole bunch. And we read Acts 2, 1-4, through 37-41, and we see that the Helper, this is what Jesus called the Holy Spirit, that is an appropriate name. Because in the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the church is born. The, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, helped to form the church by giving Peter the words to say and cutting to the heart of those people that were listening. And this is a profound reality of who he is and his function, the Holy Spirit. Now if you'll turn with me to John 6. John 6 uh, will be in verse 60. Uh, Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and this crowd saw the disciples leave without Jesus. Okay, so let's just preface this. There's this group of people that showed up when Jesus was trying to have time alone. He shows up, he gets off the boat, he does everything that he does, he speaks everything that he speaks, he teaches them, and then he doesn't want to send them away hungry, so he feeds them miraculously. Right, And then he goes, uh, the disciples go, they're going uh, across the sea. Uh, Jesus is is not seen in the boat departing with them. Uh, And the next day, the crowd sees Jesus in the boat with them. Why was Jesus in the boat? This was the night that he walked on water. Okay, this is profound. And it's funny when you read this passage because there's murmurs of like, wait, 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 wait. How, How is he on the boat? And people are starting to talk like, no, no, no way. He didn't walk on water. There's no way. And so anyways, it's already starting to murmur. It's, just, it's, a, it's a really fun story to read. But Jesus walked on water. So all this to say big things are happening before these people. These people have seen profound and inexplainable things in just a few hours. Uh, they have seen profound things. And then Jesus makes a statement. I am the bread of life. Because he comes back to this group and he begins to teach them again. He says, I am the bread of life. And he continues to speak about this, but not offering any real explanation. He just goes deeper into what he just said. He just goes deeper and deeper into this statement of I am the bread of life. Um, Not offering an explanation that the crowds can grasp. And then that puts us in verse 60. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted, by, granted him by the Father. And this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Okay, they've seen everything they've seen over the last few days. And then he speaks and elaborates on being the bread of life and that no one can come to the Father except through him and the Father granting them access through Jesus. And all of a sudden they're like, no, I'm out. No. So this is where we pick up. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and come to know that you are the holy one of god this is a profound statement about the holy spirit by jesus within this passage but that's again that's not the point i'm trying to make i know we're talking about the holy spirit and we can be drawn to there but what i the point i'm trying to make is the statement that peter made his response to the question your words are offer eternal life. And the point of reading that is for us to understand the depth of trust and love that the 12 had for Jesus. Can, can you just imagine with me for a second? If the, the Savior of the world, the one that you have heard stories about your entire life, not only came but called you to walk with Him in close quarters. How many of you, if the opportunity came and you were walking with Jesus in close quarters in the flesh, you could reach out and touch Him, you could hold His hand, you could touch the fringe of His garment, you could walk with Him, you could bring Him food, you could bring Him water, you could be right there with Him and and talk to Him across the table. How many of you, if you had that opportunity, would ever leave it? I would hope none of us. Not a one of us would leave. I want you to understand that this is where the disciples are. They they are beginning to understand the full weight of the position that they're in, that they get to exist with the Son of God in the flesh. They are in his presence, and this is profound. They are with the Messiah. And how could there be anything better than that? In their minds, there could be nothing better than that. And how often do we just wish and desire Jesus to come back? Right? When things get difficult, we turn on the news and things start getting depressing. What do we, what, where do we want to go? Jesus just... Come on, don't let it get worse. Just come now. Let this be as bad as it's going to get. Let's come now. Right? And we've talked about this before. A lot of times Christians put too much energy in the escape plan than changing the reality that we're set here to change. We're too focused on when Jesus comes back. But when he comes back, I don't want him to see a place he doesn't recognize. I I want him to see traces of the kingdom of heaven. I want Him to see strongholds of His Father here in this place upon this earth, established by us. I don't want us waiting for our escape hatch to pop open and just get out of here as quick as we can, right? That's not the point. That's not the desire of the Lord's heart. But it happens every now and then. We do this. I do this. Just rough day, things not working out. It's like, Jesus, I'm really tired of this. Let's just be done, right? It's easy to do. We do this, but uh, we just we wish and we desire Jesus to come. And I know, again, I know I wish for that. But what does Jesus say to them? Look at John 16. He has told them that he is going to leave them. And they are rightly heartbroken. They are absolutely devastated at the thought of being separated again. Put yourself in this place. Put yourself in their, uh, in their shoes of walking with him for three years witnessing the miracles, witnessing Him transform the world around them, do the inexplainable every single day, move profoundly and speak to them truth that they've never heard before and just be totally and completely transformed by the presence of God and recognizing that they are in the, the presence of God in the flesh. They are with the Son and Savior of the world in the flesh. And now He said, I'm going to leave you and you won't see me again. Can you imagine how heartbroken you would feel? How devastated you would feel? But look at what Jesus says to them in John 16, verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will not take what is mine and declare for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He says, that it is to your advantage that, that I go away, that I go to the Father. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Can you imagine hearing that, being devastated that you're, you have God in the flesh? And he has just said, it is to your advantage that I go. It is to your advantage that I leave you. Could you, can you, could you wrap your head around that? If Jesus was sitting right here he said, Parker, it's going, to be, it's going to be the best case scenario for your church if I leave. Like, uh, Jesus, I don't know. I think that's the opposite. I know you're right. You got a pretty good record, but I think this time you missed it. We wouldn't think it would be to our advantage, but he says it is to your advantage that I go, because if I do not go, he cannot do what? He cannot send the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? That Jesus is saying, I know you've had me in the flesh, but it's going to be better with me gone because you will gain the Holy Spirit. It will be to your advantage that you have the Holy Spirit instead of having me in the flesh. That's profound. 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 Those alive in Christ's church, saved by His blood, those who have received Him as Lord and Savior of their lives, you have been adopted. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the legal seal that says the adoption was successful. The Holy Spirit is the legal seal that says the adoption was successful. Romans 8 verse 12 says, so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Father. The Spirit Himself Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also be glorified with him. The Spirit of God bears witness to the identity that you now carry because of the blood of Jesus that you've received. You are now a son, you are now a daughter, and the Spirit of God bears witness to this. He is the seal of authenticity that what the Lord said he would do was completed that you have been adopted. You are now a son. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer a servant. You are no longer a slave to sin and death. You have been adopted into the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance is now the fullness of God, the kingdom of heaven. And the spirit is the one that bears witness and testifies to this reality for you. The spirit's abiding presence, uh, the spirit's abiding presence is the evidence that you belong to the Father. A seal of identity and authority. And like we saw at Jesus' baptism, the identity was announced and the authority released that goes with that identity. Church, the Holy Spirit is the down payment. The down payment that grants us access to our inheritance. If you want a new house, if you want a new car, what is always expected? To gain access, you have to put something down. But Jesus didn't expect you to put anything down but to say yes to the the life that He has given you and and say yes to to the life that you were made for and step into everything that you were created for. And the Holy Spirit is that down payment. The Lord has paid it for you. And because, the Holy, because of the sacrifice of Jesus and Him going and sending the Helper and the Holy Spirit stamping the seal of authenticity and authority on your life, saying He is a son of God, she is a daughter of God, because He's done that, He's paid the payment that you could never pay, you now have access to the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Because the Holy Spirit has stamped you with authenticity and authority. Amen? He is the down payment of what will take eternity to discover. All that has been promised to you, it will take all of eternity to fully receive all that comes with the reality of being heirs to the kingdom of heaven. That's like somebody saying, you're never going to have to worry about money again because every, every cent that has ever existed and ever will be is yours. And this is what has happened for us. Because of Jesus, not just his sacrifice, but his obedience to leave and send us the Holy Spirit. This is why it is to our advantage because now we can wear the seal of authenticity and I have access to the fullness of a kingdom that will take me all of eternity to discover. I will ne- you will, I will, we will never reach the end of our inheritance. Could you imagine that? What a great gift that you could give to your children, that you could say you will never reach the end of the goodness that I have stored up for you. You will never see the end of it. This is our inheritance and it will take us all of eternity to experience it and discover it. And that's a lot. A lot has been given. A lot is now available to you. All is available to you through the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand something. You can still starve to death. I know that you know this. You can still starve to death with a million dollars in the bank. Right? That money won't save you. I love, there's a, there's a quote by uh, Jim Carrey. I, I, it's, a, it's a great quote. Um, but he says, I, I wish that everybody would have all the fame and riches that they've ever wanted so that they could realize those, that's not the answer. Right? But you can have have all of these things and you can still starve to death because if you don't know how to access them correctly, you'll miss out. If you don't access what He has made available to you, you will be living an inferior life to the life that He designed for you. You were made for the Holy Spirit. Made to be a vessel for his presence and made to walk and live your life each and every day, each and every breath in accordance and in obedience and through his leadership and guidance and direction. That is what you're made for. I'm not here to tell you that you're to be less than, that you're not supposed to have your own thoughts or ambitions or desires or anything like that. I'm not that we always view this as a lesser thing. We view this Holy Spirit and, and oh, oh, my life's not my own, my life is his, but I really want to do this stuff. And we, we think of it like it's a sacrifice to step into the fullness of all that you were created for. Where do you hear a sacrifice when I tell you that your inheritance is more than you will, ever be able, you will never be able to fathom it, and it will take you all of eternity, and it, throughout eternity, you will never be able to fathom it or reach the end of it. Where is their sacrifice? An entire kingdom, the kingdom that created everything that we value here on this earth, has been given to you in fullness, not in partiality, in fullness. Because of a life lived with the Holy Spirit, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, in His leadership, in His guidance and direction, where is there weakness? Where is there a less than statement within that? No, there is only more for you. You have millions and billions and trillions of dollars in the bank. But so many of us don't access it because we do not receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus left. Jesus left this earth to return to his Father because it was to your advantage. Your life was to be better. It's to your advantage. What does that mean? That means that if Jesus stayed, it was inferior to what would have happened if he had sent the Holy Spirit. Otherwise he wouldn't have sent it. He did not leave to send us less. He left to send us more. Amen. And it's the Holy Spirit. How have we reduced? And it's not, we call him the Holy Spirit, but he's not a mystic ghost. If, if, you, if you're driving to work one day and you see a cloud hovering over your car, that's, I don't think that's him. He's a person. Okay? Person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It doesn't go person, person, cloud, right? He is a person that you can have a relationship with, have conversations with. We're meant to have a deep relationship with Him like we are with all of the Trinity. But if you do not access what He has made available, you will be living an inferior life to the life that He designed you for. And if my experience is not better than it would be if I had Jesus sitting across the table from me, then I am not accessing what he put in my account. Does that make sense? If I can look right now at my life and my experience with the Lord and say, no, it's not better than it would be if I had Jesus in the flesh sitting across the table from me. What I'm telling you is you have not accessed the fullness of all that God has released to you. Because what did he say? Jesus' words, not mine. If you're mad, take it up with Jesus. It is to your advantage that I go. Because he cannot send the Holy Spirit if I'm here. And the Holy Spirit was to be our advantage. He was to be the helper. Jesus said this. It is to your advantage that I leave you. And that's the perspective I wanted us to offer to understand the full, and we will never understand the full weight of the Holy Spirit, but the profound life that we are meant for, that so many of us, myself included, go days without accessing. We don't access it. We get caught up in the world. We get caught up in our own doings and our, uh, our own workings and our turmoil and different things like that that we create for ourselves, And we miss The goodness and fullness of God that He has given us access to because we ignore the Holy Spirit and His leadership in that. You are meant. There is not a person alive on this earth that has ever been or ever will be that is not meant for the presence of God to indwell their life, for them to live accessing the presence of God. What happened when Jesus breathed His last breath? What happened in the temple? The veil tore. Why did the veil tore? Tear. Whatever. We're just moving. Golly. Why did it tear? The presence of God was no longer to be contained in that place. It was split open. Now the presence of God is gone. Not gone, gone. Like, oh, where did it go? It Now everyone has access. Not those that are consecrated. Not those that are set apart. They can just go in there and offer your... That, that are kind of the medium for you to God, that, that is gone. We have now been given access directly that I can encounter the presence of God myself. I don't need anybody else to do it for me. Wow. And what do you think that presence is that you're accessing? It is the Holy Spirit the indwelling presence of God. You're made for it. And I'm telling you right now as someone who lived a lot of life without the Holy Spirit and who's lived a lot of life with the Holy Spirit, it's a lot of fun. I and I'm telling you right now I have more than I ever thought I would have. More than, not less than. More than. You know where my dreams have come to fruition? Not without him, with him. Everything I've ever wanted, even the things I didn't know I wanted. But now that I have them, I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how could I have not ever wanted this? How could I have lived a day of my life not knowing that this is what I wanted? All with the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. And that, you are made for that. You are made for that presence. You are made to experience that goodness. You have more resources in your account than you could ever fathom. And all you have to do is say yes and receive the Holy Spirit to gain access. And I'm telling you, your life will be richer and more blessed than anything you could have ever fathomed or worked out for yourself. I'm promising you, I'm speaking from experience. There's a lot of people in this house that will speak from experience to that truth. We're not all crazy, we drink different waters. Right, We're not all sipping the same crazy juice or anything like that. We're all different people in different aspects of life with different stories and we've all come to the same conclusion that the Holy Spirit gives us access to the kingdom of heaven and I'm made to have access to that kingdom because I am a son. I'm a co-heir with Christ, an heir to the throne of heaven. What heir to a kingdom has no access to his kingdom? No. You have been given access, but first you've got to say yes and step into the leadership guidance and direction and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.